Well, good morning, Community Church. Good morning, Alma, Mount Pleasant, and online to this nice snowy day. I want to ask you a question. This is a test, so hopefully you've been here past few weeks. What do uh, Adam, Solomon, Aquila, and Priscilla have in common? Now somebody's going to say, oh yeah, they're all in the Bible. You're very smart, very smart. We have looked at them for the last four weeks to talk about their default and God's design. Our intent in this series is that you will examine yourself and you'll see what it is about you that you think is just perfect. It's where you're comfortable. It's what you believe you should be doing. And then you'll examine God's call on you, wherever you are, whatever you're calling your occupation. And you'll see how your design by God differs from your default of yourself. Next week, we're going to look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. But today, I want to add one more name to our list. Ebenezer Scrooge. Well, now he's not the biblical character that we're going to talk about. But those of you who have read the play or seen it, you know the character that is best loved in that whole program is who? It's Tiny Tim. Well, years before Dickens ever thought of this, there was another Tiny Tim. There was a Timothy. A Timothy who was born in the city of Lystra. And he was born to a Jewish mother a Jewish grandmother, and it's so interesting that the Bible says, but his father was Greek. That's the only time his dad's ever mentioned. Just has no part in his life as far as we can tell. So he grew up in this matriarchal home. That means there were far more feminine influences in his life than masculine. Now, sometimes that works out fine. That's the kind of home I grew up in. I had my grandmother, who was my mother's mom. I had my mother's brother. I had my older brother, my older sister, and I, fortunately, was the baby. Because there are a lot of benefits in being the baby. But it was a matriarchal home. By the time my brother and sister were out of high school, I was just entering the eighth grade. So I didn't have a lot of male influence that was proper, to say the least, other than playing sports in high school and in college. So I kind of understand the setting that I find Timothy in. And who knows where he would have ended up. But we find out about him mostly from things said about him from Paul the Apostle. Because Paul was on his first missionary journey when he went to this town and he and Barnabas created a riot because they healed a man who was sick and the people just couldn't handle it. Now, if you're in a home where your mother and your grandmother are both new followers of Christ, more than likely you heard about the riot or maybe you were even there to observe and to listen to what Paul and Barnabas had to say. So it's possible that Timothy's first encounter with the Apostle Paul was at his first missionary journey. But we don't know that for sure. 
It could have been the second missionary journey, which was a few years later, about 49 AD. And that may be where he met Timothy. But we know this, Paul loved Timothy. He had a deep biblical Christian love for this young man. In 1 Timothy 1, 2, he says, he is a true son in the faith. He's, he's writing this letter to Timothy, my true son in the faith. I don't know if you have a spiritual parent. Uh, I did. And I understand what it is to, to grow up in a home where both my mother and my grandmother were followers of Christ, but they never communicated that to me. They just lived it. But I wasn't aware that I was a sinner. I wasn't aware that I needed Christ in my life. I lived on my default. And Timothy had a similar problem. He's growing up with his mother and his grandmother and their faith. I've been here for eight years at this church, and every fall I have a number of young men and women from Central Michigan University who come over, set an appointment with me, appointment with me and they come in, and here's what they say. I've lost my faith. And they're serious. I said, you've lost your faith. Yes, how did you grow up? Well, I grew up, my mother and father, and we went to church, and they loved the Lord, and I did. But I don't have that faith anymore. I said, you're right, you don't. I said, you don't have your parents' faith. You've lost your mother's faith. You've lost your father's faith, but you just haven't found your own. Because you see, faith is a personal thing. You may grow up in a home, or you may have already grown up in a home where there was a vibrant faith in the home, but don't you remember wrestling on your own and having to come to these conclusions, not because mama said it or daddy said it, but because you found it to be truth. So here's Timothy. We don't know whether his mom and or grandmother led him into a personal relationship with Christ or whether it was Paul. Usually when someone says, my son in the faith, it's an indication of, of a relationship that means a fatherly figure guided the son into that relationship with Christ. We don't have proof of that, but I believe it probably could be. You see, the Jewish tradition is that a child is raised in the mother's religion. And so he was raised as a very strong Jew. But his father was a Greek. So he had this mixed heritage. And it was difficult for him. Either way, God had a design for Timothy's life. He sent Paul. Everything changed in Timothy's life when Paul stepped in. So I have a question for you. Has there ever been a Paul in your life? Or perhaps you are a Paul to someone else. Or you've had that opportunity to, to lead them and guide them, to direct them into Scripture and into a relationship with Christ. Or, conversely, you are the one who has been led into that relationship. It must have been hard for Timothy not having that figure in his home to do that for him. I grew up in a home without a father. So I had that matriarchal relationship. And it was very hard for me to break from that because I had my default. 
Now, my default was that I was a very nice young man. I know, things change. I was a nice guy. Uh, I didn't like confrontation. I was pretty timid. I mean, I was not at all like you see today. I was a totally different person. I was reluctant to get into relationships. I just liked being at home. I guess they could have named me Timothy, but they chose not to do that. It's interesting, all of us have peculiarities in our upbringings. And we are born in a sinful nature, so therefore we each have our own default, what we like, who we would like to be. And sometimes that default does not add up to what God has designed. Well, I was blessed because I also had a Paul in my life. My pastor, Bob Davis, who loved me enough to confront me with the truth of the gospel. And when I was convicted and came to Christ, I turned back to Pastor Bob and he guided me and mentored me the first year and a half of my walk in Christ, almost on a daily basis, and then helped me get to seminary where someone else picked up the gauntlet. And throughout my years of being a follower of Christ, I have always had some Paul in my life. I hope you have that. I hope you're willing to be that. Because that's how the faith in Christ continues to move on. That's why groups are so important is because in a group, you're going to find one or two Pauls. You're going to find one or two Timothys. And we just all need to be encouraging one another. Tim's default. I think if Timothy had had his way before he met Christ, he would have stayed home. He would have been a wonderful son, a wonderful grandson. He would have done some kind of labor to help take care of his mother and his grandmother. And that would basically have been his life. But you see, God had a plan. And so often God works his plan in your life through others. Seldom does he just speak directly to you and say, this is what I have planned for you today. But as your day unfolds, as your life unfolds, he sends people into it, men and women. God designed Timothy to remove the default, and he has a way of doing that in our lives. Think about this, this quiet Timothy living in a matriarchal society with an unengaged father ends up becoming a missionary, a messenger, a teacher, a preacher, an evangelist, and he helps write six books of the Bible. That's not what he had planned. He just wanted to sit home and be with mom and grandma. But God had a different plan. The challenge you and I have in life is discerning God's plan. It's not easy, is it? But God does have a design for every single individual in here. And whatever that design is... It will be fulfilled when you yield to him. When you say, okay, Lord, you know, I've tried these things and they're not working. I would rather follow you 
So why don't you show me which way to go? Look what happened to Timothy, Romans 16, 21. Paul writes, Timothy, my co-worker. So Timothy goes from being in the house to being equal in work with Paul, the apostle. 2 Corinthians 1, 19. Timothy preached with Paul and Silas, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me, that's Paul, and Silas, and Timothy. So now he's preaching. How can that happen? How can you go from being a quiet person who doesn't want to engage, and just like me, I went from being an undercover investigator where you don't talk, you listen, where you just are real quiet and observant, to standing in a podium presenting the gospel for Jesus Christ. That's not my default. That's God's design. And he has a design for you. And your design is not less than mine. Mine is not greater than yours. We are all part of the kingdom of God. We are doing this together on purpose. And because we are on purpose, we each need to know our design. Because then when we live in that design, when we work in that design, then the body of Christ functions in a unified way. It makes it easier to get things done. But change is required. Change is necessary if you're going to move from default to design. What are those changes? Only God knows in your life. For Timothy, it was a very interesting one. Because he had a Greek father, he had never been circumcised. But when Paul comes into his life, he says, you're a Jew, and if we're going to be out speaking to the Jews and to the Gentiles, then you need to have the mark of circumcision upon you because they won't accept you if you don't make that change. Now, that was a unique change for him. But there will be changes required for you to get into God's design. I don't know what they are. I know the changes that I've made, and I know this. Change comes intentionally, and it comes gradually, and it comes seldomly. We don't like change. Our default is not to like change. God's design is to change us, to create in us a new being. That means putting the old behind and moving toward that which is ahead of us, which God has planned for us. Timothy was by nature a timid young man. How do we know that? 1 Timothy 4.12 don't let anyone look down on your youth because you are young, but set an example for the believer in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So he was concerned. Some believe Timothy, when he's moving around the world with Paul, was in his late 20s or early 30s. 2 Timothy 1, 7, or verse 8. For the Spirit of God... The spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. What's he saying? He's saying, Timothy, don't be timid, which is your default, but rather take the power of God, take the power of self-discipline, take the power of the love of Christ, and let that be what changes you. So he had to make changes. Now, only you know what changes God has for you. I don't know what they are. 
I had been in ministry over 20 years, pastoring a church for 16 of those, when really out of the blue, God said to me, through others, you have a default now, and that is you are getting up, you're going to the church, you're loving the people, but you are comfortable. I went to a revival. A young man in his late 20s started preaching, and God's design was unfolded for me for the last 20 years that I've been serving him. So even though you are following him and you believe you know the design, God continues to change it and mature it until you become what he wants you to be. And we're all still in process. That's what Paul did for Timothy. Once timid Timothy came under the tutelage of Paul, he learned to communicate his faith. And his timidity was left in the dust of his testimony. So what are you doing? Do you come and worship the Lord and then go out and Monday through Saturday, you just live a default life? Or do you come and worship God and when you leave, you look for God's design for Monday? God, what do you want me to do today? Why don't you try that this week? Say, God, interrupt me with the plans that you have for me. And I won't get in the way. I'll do whatever you say, Lord. Just try that risk. And God will begin to change the way things happen in your life. And he'll use you for the benefit of his kingdom. Because that's why we are here. To glorify God. To enjoy him. Look at how Timothy changed. Who was he? He was a young man who was concerned to speak up because of his youth and his timid nature. But look what Paul says about him in 1 Thessalonians 3.2. He says, We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ. So he went from being basically a non-communicative individual to one who is proclaiming Christ. And then Paul says in Philippians to the church at Philippi, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. So now he's saying not only has he changed in his ability to communicate, but he's also compassionate for Christ. And then a verse later in verse 22 of Philippians 2. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. God had a particular reason to design Timothy the way he wanted him. And he's not special. He's just like you and me. You and I are as special to God as Timothy. And he has a design. Don't go through life living in default. Look for God's design in your life. Look for that Paul that can help you discover it. Or if you know what your design is, then you are a Paul. Whether you're male or female, you are a leader who can then go back to the others and show them this direction. Jesus' story that he tells in the Gospels about giving out ten and five and one and saying, 
you know, do something good the king wants you to do with these items and you're supposed to multiply them and the first guy takes the ten minas and he doubles them. And what does Jesus say? In Luke 19, 17, he says this, Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in very small matter, take charge of ten cities. Now the principle behind this story is when you find your design, even if it's the smallest part of the design, and you are faithful in that part of the design, what's God going to do? He's going to increase your opportunity to serve him in that design. And at the end of the day, what do we all want to hear when we stand before him? Well done, good and faithful servant. But you're the one who has to discover that design. We just can't say that enough. Timothy didn't follow Paul because he wanted to be a great and well-known Christian. He didn't follow Paul for political reasons, for social acceptance. He didn't want to do any of those. He followed him because he just wanted to serve God. He wanted to serve him any way that he could. How would he know that he would be involved in writing those six books with Paul? He had no idea that was coming. Now, here's the problem. Was it easy? No. I don't know if you've ever seen it or not, but I, I find it very interesting. In the book of Hebrews, there is a statement that the writer makes that our brother Timothy has been released from prison. So you see, Timothy didn't have this easy life where he just traveled with Paul, saw all the sights, preached, everything was great. No, at some point in his life, he was thrown in prison because of his faith. It's not easy to follow God's design. I don't want you to think it is. I am not a quitter. There's never been a time when I have said, I don't want to do this anymore. But it sure has gotten close. You know, where you just don't know if you can take that next step. And that's when you yield in prayer before the Lord. Lord, this is yours. What am I supposed to do? And he gives you the strength. And he says, if you follow my design, if you follow me. How many times does Christ say that in the Gospels? Follow me. That's all we have to do to be one with him. You were saved to serve the king in his kingdom. The kingdom now and the kingdom yet to come. So it's imperative that you find out what he wants to do with your life. And you need the wisdom and counsel of other brothers and sisters and the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit through his word to show you what that is. And once in a while, God will show you the fruit. And it's important to see the fruit of God's design. Because when you see that, you know, oh, wow, I am walking where I'm supposed to be walking. God is doing what he said he was going to do. I remember years ago, my wife and I had spoken at a series of services on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday night in a town in North Carolina and we thought nothing of it. Ten years went by. Went back to North Carolina to a different place. 
and went into the gathering of all the pastors in this place. And one young man came up to me and he said, you don't know me. You're right, I don't. He said, but 10 years ago, when you and your wife were speaking at this church, I was standing against the back wall and my wife was over on another side of the back wall. We were close to divorce. We were talking and when we heard you for three nights in a row, we got in our car together and we said, we know what we have to do. So I said, well, you know, don't keep me in suspense. What did you do? He said, I am here today to be ordained into the ministry. He said, thank you. I said, don't thank me. I didn't do it. No, I, don't, I don't want to claim credit for your walk with the Lord, and I don't want to be blamed if you mess it up. God did it. So for one moment, I was appalled to somebody and didn't know it. But years later, God says, let me just dribble a little of the fruit in front of you just to show you what you're doing. He's going to show you the fruit when you need to see it. And this was the life of Timothy. He wouldn't have realized it without Paul. Now, we can say God would have sent someone else. But it really was Paul that God used to change Timothy's life. You should all pray, God, make me a change agent in someone else's life. Let me be the one to either plant a seed or water the seed because God is the one who reaps. I've never saved anybody. God reaps the harvest, but we plant and we water. And we plant and we water those who are searching those who are already followers of Christ, they, we, we all still need that, that structure that helps us get there. I would not have realized the life that I now lead had it not been for Bob Davis, my pastor. I was going down a totally different road of my own design when he got a hold of me. And Bob became my Paul. And he was my Paul for just a few years because he died very young. But I had the joy of performing his funeral. So I ushered him into glory as he ushered me into Christ. There's nothing better than that, to have the joy of walking in God's design. So listen carefully. God is going to send men and women into your life to help you design it. When you listen to what the Spirit of God is saying through them, your life will have meaning way beyond your default. So who's in your life right now? Whose life should you be in right now? Look at a moment for two of the important things that Paul helped Timothy discern. Very interesting, when Paul writes letters, and he wrote several of them in the Bible, when he writes these letters, he always starts off with grace and peace. But when he writes to Timothy and to Titus, he says grace and peace and mercy. He adds mercy in there. And so Timothy learns the merciful side of God, and I think that's why earlier when we said he was compassionate, it's because Paul taught him what mercy meant. Secondly, God's truth. Paul says this, I charge you to stay in Ephesus to stop the fables and endless genealogies. 
So now he's saying, you're going to confront those who are in the city of Ephesus that are teaching that which is not true. That's like coming from a commanding officer, you know, charge, you're charged. Timothy spent about seven years with Paul. And what a man of God he became by following God's design. Timothy could have said, you know, well, listen, I don't want to follow you, Paul. It could be dangerous. The places you're going, the riot that I saw that you were in. And actually, secondly, it's not something I want to do. And the favorite one, I'm not qualified. Paul turns around, and in the readings that we have seen so far, he says this. Well, listen, the people need the truth, first of all. Secondly, God doesn't use the unworthy He changes them, and you're one of them, and he's going to change you. And secondly, don't question God. Or thirdly, don't question God. So now Timothy's had a 180. And he is a new creature with a new design that he fulfills in his lifetime. Will you follow that? Years ago, there was a famous Arctic explorer And he put an ad in the London newspaper. And this is the ad, actual ad. Men wanted for a hazardous journey. Small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. Now, would you respond to that ad? (laughs) Not me. But because of who placed the ad, thousands of people responded because they were willing to follow him to this place from which they may never return. That's what you and I are being called to do, is to follow him. Timothy was called to fight the good fight. It's the same fight that we're fighting today. It hasn't changed. Evil is still evil. Evil is attacking truth. And here we are. We are the ones who are responsible for continuing the communication of the gospel, the compassion of the gospel in this world. So my final question is this. You either lead, you follow, or you get out of the way. If not you, then who? If not now... When? Let's pray. Lord, we are calling for you to reveal your design in every life that is here in this campus, that's in the Alma campus, that's online with us today. Every one of us need to understand your design. Lord, we thank you for the Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he has brought about the most significant change in our lives by giving us eternal hope. But now, Lord, we want this life to count. So unveil your design in our lives. If we need to find someone to help us, put that person right in front of us, Lord. And if we need to help someone else, send that person to us. So, Lord, we yield our lives today to your design, and we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Lord bless you and keep you and be safe out there. And we'll see you next Sunday.